<laughs> hey, it's going to be singing in heaven, right? It's going to be praise and worship. I mean, if, if you don't like to sing, uh, you might not like heaven. There's going to be a lot of praise over there. It's going to be a lot of worship over there and a lot of praise. And that's going to be peace. And that's going to be unity. And that's going to be harmony. And we're going to get good bodies, glorified bodies that will never die. Can you imagine living forever and ever? Can you imagine that? But that's what we are. That's what we got. We don't know. Right now we see through a glass darkly, but one day, one day, you'll see face to face. That's what keeps me going. What keeps you going? This life? I hope not. We got a mess. This is a mess. And today I'm going to be talking about worry. Luke chapter 12, 22 to 34. Luke 12, 22 through 34. My message entitled this morning, Do Not Worry. This is my message. This is my text. Do not worry. Luke 12, 22 through 34. Father, we pray you open our ears and our heart to your word now. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. May we receive from you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 22, then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what, will you, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the raven, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor bonds, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are able, if you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Hmm. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. He said you can't stop it. If you could change, verse 27, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I see, I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if then God clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor, which, nor have an anxious mind. But all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your heavenly Father knows you need these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and these things shall be added unto you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give on. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Oh boy, that's a sermon right there. So he said, verse 22, he's talking to his disciples because his disciples are followers, right? They couldn't always know what he was doing and they was worrying about the basic needs of life. So he's saying to them, I said, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, not your body, what you're going to put on, what you're going to put on. In other words, what you're going to wear. He says, life is more important than food and the body is more important than clothing. The basic needs, the basic food, uh, he said to those disciples, don't worry about that. Worrying is, worrying is pointless because it can't fill any of our needs. Worrying is foolish because God loves us and he knows what we need even before we ask. Worry says that God cannot pull this off. Worry says God does not care. You know, when they were in the boat and the boat was sinking, they said, Lord, don't you care that we, we're perishing, don't you care? Worry is useless because our life is in God's hands and he is in control and he should be in control of our lives and not us. Amen. Now, I want to be in control. I know you do, too. You won't say it out loud, but you know, you know you do. But I want to be in control. And I, it's very hard sometimes to let loose of the reins and let God lead. I can trust God all day long as long as I feel I have control. But when you have absolutely no control, then we'll see how strong your faith is. And your faith is going to be tested. Are you letting God control? Or are you trying to control your life? He promised to meet all our needs, not necessarily our wants. And whatever we want is not really many times what we need. You know, I was, you know, I like Tacoma trucks. I like Toyotas. I priced one and it's like $60,000. And I said, I really didn't need it. I wanted it, but I didn't really need it. The Bible said God shall supply all our needs according to what? To his riches and glory, not all of our wants. I'm glad I didn't get everything I want because those things would have destroyed me. I look back at it now and think, boy, I'm glad, I didn't. I'm glad God said no on that one. The church that gives to missions will have its own needs met. And you know we give to missions a lot. If we give, God will supply all of our needs because we can't outgive God. He's saying, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor barns. And God feeds them, verse 24, of how much more value are you than birds? God provides for the birds. He will provide for you. But the birds is not idle. The birds got to go get it. I see the little birds in my house. They got their mouths open like this. And the bird, the mother bird will come bring food and put it in the bird's mouth. He says, consider the birds. You are more valuable than birds. This is not saying that we should be idle because birds are not idle. 
But it is God who provides for them food. But they got to get up and they got to go out and search for it. The Bible speaks against laziness. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says a Christian is supposed to be lazy. Whatever you do, whatever you find to do, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. But the Bible condones, it doesn't condone, uh, Bible doesn't want us to be lazy. Proverbs 19, 15, laziness casts once into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Laziness will cast a person into a deep sleep. And an idle person, he's going to suffer hunger. Those birds, they get up and they go out and they search and they bring the food back. They're not idle. A lot of people say, well, you know, if God feeds the birds, God will feed me. So I'm just going to sit here, man. Uh, I don't have no job, but I ain't going to go look for one. I'm just going to sit here and see if God will provide. Well, you're going to be sitting there a long time. The Bible said, consider the ways of the ant and be wise, the Bible says. He has no captain. He has no overseer. Proverbs 6, you know it. An ant is always planning. He's always thinking ahead. He's always planning because he knows winter is coming. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand. Proverbs 6, read it for yourself. He said, your, your poverty is going to come upon you like a prowler. He said in verse 25, now, and which one of you by word can add a cubic to his height? Some say it's 18 inches a cubic, maybe. I know I talk to people sometimes, they worry about how tall they are. Then some people worry about how short they are. <laughs> what does it matter? Who cares? I mean, really, who cares? Nobody. Which one of you by add, can you add... Can you, can you add a single moment to your life by worrying? Can you live any longer or make yourself any taller or shorter by worrying? You can't do it. If you then, verse 26, are able to do the least, the little things, why are you anxious for the rest? If you can't do the little small things in life, you can't change the little... Whatever's going to happen cannot be stopped by worrying. If you cannot change by worrying even the smallest things, why are you so anxious for the rest? You can't change the big things either. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They grow. They neither toil nor span. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory will not arrayed like one of these. God provides the lilies of the field, beautiful lilies, by giving them rain. Sun when they need it, rain when they need it, and the lilies grow. If God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and thrown into the oven, how much more he will clothe you? Oh, little faith. I, I, I look at those words and it scares me. Oh, you of little faith. I counted them as five. Oh, you of little faith. I don't want to get to heaven and hear God say them words. I don't want to get to heaven and say, oh, I wanted to do so much more in your life. You had so much potential, but oh, you of little faith. 
You didn't even take a step. You didn't even try. You got in your comfort zone. You wouldn't move. You wouldn't take a step of faith. Oh, you of little faith. I don't want to hear those words. I'm going to give it all I got while I got, while the little time I got left. He, he's going to get it. I don't want to hear that when I get to heaven. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible. We are walking by faith and not by sight. Faith is the things that hope for and evidence of things not seen. You don't see it. But when you walk toward it, it will open up to you. So many people are waiting on God and God is waiting on you. What's wrong with the church today? Oh, bring revival, bring revival. Well, what's the church at? Are we winning souls? Are we making disciples? No. If the revival is going to come, it's going to come through God's people, right? Amen. All right, okay. Do not, verse 29 saying, do not see what you shall eat or what you shall drink or have an anxious mind. It doesn't say you're not supposed to have a plan. Now, God gave us common sense, right? We're supposed to have a plan. For all these things the nation of the world seek, the Gentile nations seek. And your father knows that you need these things. You know, but seek ye first, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So top priority, what? Matthew 6, 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You take care of the spiritual and the Lord will take care of the material. You seek ye first. Give God first place in everything in your life because anything comes in and take the place of God is an idol. That's right, no matter what it is. If it's, God is not going to be second. Anything comes in your, your life, we must put God first in everything because if God is not first in your life, everything else is going to be out of order. Everything. But if God is in first place in your life, things will be in order because God is your top number one priority. <coughs> put God first. God is a jealous God. And he will not take second place for the believer. A lot of people have tried, but who the Lord loves, he chastens. He's got a way of bringing you back, right? Amen. Put him first. The Lord may be first in your life. Because if, if the Lord is not first in your life, then something else is. Now, you have to pinpoint whatever it is. I can't say it. But if God is not first in your life, something else has come in and has distracted you and taken his place. And that's why 1 John 5, the last, the last verse, it said, my little children, keep yourself from idols. It's an idol, man. Anything coming between you and Christ is an idol. So we all have to continue to search our hearts because everything wants our attention. Everything. And everybody wants our attention. Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do not fear, little flock, verse 32. 
Some people say fear is mentioned 546. Do not fear is mentioned 546 times in the Bible. I never have counted them. Maybe one day I'm going to take a whole day and count how many times it says do not fear. But it's all over the Bible. Do not fear. Why? Because fear controls. What is the media showing? What is, what is the media showing right now? What is the world? They're showing fear. Why? Because they know if they can get you scared enough, you will do exactly what they want you to do. God did not give us a spirit of fear. What? But a power, love, and a sound mind, right? Do not fear, little flock. I wonder, I wonder who, who is he talking here today. Do not fear. For it's your heavenly Father, good pleasures to give, give you the kingdom. God wants to bless you much more than food and clothing. God loves never end. We are sheep. We are his sheep. We are in his family. We are his servants. We are in his kingdom. He knows our needs. He'll make sure our needs are fully met. He says, it's God's good pleasure, man, to give you the kingdom. Not necessarily everything you want, but he wants to bless us. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags, which does not grow old. If necessary, be willing to sell all that stuff. If he was telling his disciples, be willing to sell all that stuff. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. Be willing to sell. He said, you'll have treasures, man, in heaven. He said, what? Well, it does not fail. That's where your treasures are. It's in heaven. You might not ever be rich down here. You might not ever be famous. But in heaven, you're going to be rich there. You're going to be rich beyond you can even imagine. The idea here is not to hoard or covet things just like the world does. As God blesses us, we should give liberally and generously to his work. We have have to learn to invest in eternal things. If my home is in heaven, we have to learn to invest in eternal things and not temporary things. We need not to... Store up treasure down, down here because, like I said last week, you got to leave it all, man. How much did the rich man leave behind? He left it all. Hey, I'm just saying, man, I'm just going to tell you, this life is brief. This life is fast. And before you know it, like James said, it's, like it's like a vapor, man. You're here for a short time and boom. It's gone. So what you're going to do, you do now. Why? Why? Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. He said, for where your treasure is, that's going to be your heart also. He's telling them, beware of worry. The former, we talked about the former, last week we talked about the former, that rich fool. He worried because he had too much. He didn't know what to do with it. But his disciples, they were tempted because they didn't have enough. The old English word worry comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word that means to choke or it means to strangle. That old word worry means it will choke, it will strangle, it will take the peace, it will take the joy out of your life. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, said Corrie ten Boom. 
it empties today of its strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, said Corrie Ten Boom. You know what she said? It emptied today of its strength. All of us have to admit that we worry from time to time, but it's not to control us. We can still have peace in the middle of a storm. We can turn our worries over to prayer. If we look at the world situation today, we got problems and there's a lot of things to worry about. We got wars and crime and drug and violence and inflation, depression, suicide, mental illness. You name it, we got it. But if we focus on those things, we tend to worry and worry will take our peace and it will take our trust away from God. They said worry can even affect your immune system. Satan wants us to worry because it takes our mind off the Lord and puts our mind on the problem. In the situation. Which causes stress. Worry is a dangerous thing. It can take a severe toll on people. Worry is. They say worry is interest paid on trouble before it is due. And they said most of the things people worry about never come to pass. Man. What can I accomplish by worrying? It's not going to change the circumstances. Some things. I just cannot control. I can control what I can. And the things that I can't, I can't. I can't control the weather. I can't control the time. Just control the things that you can't control and the things that you can't control, put in God's hands and go on about your business, man. Live your life. People worry about money. Those who have money, they worry about losers, losing the money. And those who don't have money, they worry about not having enough money. People worry about death. Worry is a favorite pastime for most people. They think it's some kind of spiritual gift. And they worry because they don't have anything to worry about. You, you can tell. When I am worrying, I am not trusting God. And when I am trusting God, I am not worrying. Some people worry because they don't have anything to worry about. We must look at, we must look at earth from God's perspective. Make sure you put his kingdom first. He said, because where your treasure is, that is where your heart is going to be fixed because your heart is going to follow your treasure. If our hearts are fixed on the things on the earth, that's where our heart is going to be. But if our things are fixed on the things of Christ, that's where our heart is going to be. We must guide our hearts because out of it is the issues of life. We must we must. Always examine where our heart is. We got to identify that. Where your treasure is, that is your heart. Your heart is going to follow your treasure. And only you can identify where your heart is at. Only you. Are your treasures of the things of this world, the things of this life? Are the things of God. How much time are you spending in prayer? How much time are you spending in God's word? How much? Tell me. Don't depend on me for all of your feeding. 
You got to feed yourself every day. Don't, don't depend on me for all your feeding. I'll be out here teaching, but I want you to search the scripture for yourself. And I want you to read the word for yourself. That way, when you hear false teaching, when you hear false doctrine, you're able to spot it, man. The more a person, the more a person is interested in this world, the less they become interested in the things of God. The more a person is interested in this life, the less they become interested in the things of God. The cares of this life will choke the word. It becomes unfruitful. That's why the Bible said, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's how you transformed. We got to watch what we put up here. You know, there's a lot of garbage we shouldn't be putting in, in our minds. The Bible said we should focus on things above and not on things on this earth. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth. Colossians 3 talks about that. Our citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth. And I've seen it happen. When a believer backslides, it doesn't happen suddenly. It happens gradually. The person stops, he stops, he stops coming to church little by little. They stop reading the word little by little. They stop praying little by little. And before you know it, the person has backslidden. They wake up one day and say, how did I get here? How did I get here? But he can always come back. Praise God, right? The beginning of worry is the end of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of worry. How to conquer worry? Well, prayer, trust, and faith in God. There's a difference between planning and worrying. God didn't say you can't plan. I hope you got some kind of plan. I found out that God's not going to do everything for me. He's gave me enough common sense to say, watch that ant, man, and learn his ways and be wise. Of all the animals, I guess an ant's an animal. All the animals, he chose that ant. Little as he is, he's planning all the time, and he's thinking about the future. And you can imagine, you, can, you can't believe, you can't believe how much stress you can take off of yourself just by a little bit of planning. I hear people come on Sunday morning sometimes. They says, oh, man, I'm, uh, I, I, everything went wrong. I'm late and this, this. The devil's attacking. I said, no, the devil ain't had nothing to do with it. You just left home late. <laughs> we want to blame the devil for everything, right? We think a devil is behind every rock, but he's not. I'm not present. He's not. There's a different. Have a plan. Stop. Every time you start to worry, I want you to start to pray. Worry empties the day of his strength, not, not of his troubles. It's very fatiguing. A survey of about 5,000 students in 21 different colleges confirmed that worriers get lower grades. They did a survey, 5,000 students in 21 different colleges. They said worriers will get lower grades. One man said warriors caused him two nights sleep. Named uh, Ed Darby is quoted as saying that a speech caused him two nights sleep. One before of thinking 
what he should say in one night's sleep cost him how he better could have said it. They say worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. <laughs> Don't spoil tomorrow. Don't spoil today by worrying about tomorrow. The hill will flatten when you get to it. Reading about a woman worried 40 years that she was worrying about dying of cancer. She worried, 40, she worried 40 years that she would die of cancer. But she found a died of pneumonia at the age of 70. She wasted 33 years worrying about the wrong thing. Amen. Man, that's, that's a, whoo. Are you worried about something right now? God, God don't want you to do that. He wants you to cast all your cares upon him. Jesus knows it can be, bur- it can be destructive. Remember all the times that God came through and bailed you out when you thought that, boy, I'm not going to get out of this one. Remember all the times that God came through and he got you through. Have you forgot about those times? Won't he do the same thing today? So many Christians I talk to, even in California right now, I talk to people who are thinking about going to the ministry. They're thinking about going to the ministry and they are afraid to step out and take that first step because they say, well, what if what if this goes wrong? And what if that goes wrong? And what if I can't find a job? And what if nobody shows up? And the kids are in school, man. Then when the kids finish high school, they say, well, the kids are in college, man. And they always got some excuse. I said, listen, man, if you're going to wait till everything lined up perfectly, you'll never step out. It's not going to, you're going to, at some point, you got to take a step of faith. Worry and fear goes hand in hand. They say so many things can go wrong, but they are afraid to step out and see what the Lord will do. And I've said it a hundred times. You're not going to ever find out until you step out. Now you can sit there and pray till the cows come home. But until you get up and move and go see, you will be sitting in that same chair 40 years of the rest of your life. God honors faith. The only way that God is going to do is to step out. Everybody's waiting on God. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come. Stop it. Go preach the gospel. God is waiting on, where's the church at? I don't like it either. You know, God leaves a little bit at a time. I don't like it either. I mean, I'm very impatient, but God is not on my time schedule. You know, I wish God would just give me the whole thing at once. I know the next 20 years what's going to happen. But he just give me one step at a time. And when you take the first step, he will give you the second And when you take the second step, he will give you the third. It says, oh, I hear him say, oh, man, well, what if I get over there and I can't find a job? And and they say, man, Tacoma is rough. I say, you better believe it. That's why you ought to come out here. (laughs) Give us some help. (laughs) Rough over here. Say no joke, man. This ain't for the weak. But we all can't go 
to Hawaii. <laughs> you know, I hear pastors say all the time, oh, I feel called to a sunny Hawaii. I'm going to lay on the beach, man, and watch the water and drink my tea. But you don't hear it many say, I'm going to come to Tacoma. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm where God wants me to be. I don't care about the crime and the drugs. I was talking to a guy last week. He had colon cancer. And I just, I was talking to him, and I got up, and I walked away, and the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? I'm thinking, well, what did I do wrong? So why didn't you pray with him? So I went back in. I said, sir, can I pray for you? The guy said, I would love you to pray for me. I would love. What's my point? There's opportunities everywhere if you have the eyes to see it. But if your eyes is on yourself, you can't see it. There's opportunities everywhere. And there's people hurting everywhere. And they lost and they drugged out and they talk crazy and they act crazy. People in my neighborhood, they talk to themselves. They don't, nobody's around. I'm looking around. Well, what, who this guy talking? I said, hey, man, who are you talking to? I'm talking to his uncle. It wasn't nobody else around. He said he was talking to his uncle. It wasn't nobody else around but him. But I, the Holy Spirit said, hey, don't, don't, don't judge the guy, man. Uh, why don't you go there and try to help him? I said, hey, man, you know the Lord? Are you a, are you a street person? Yeah, brother. He says, I need $2. I need to get, catch the bus. I said, well, I'm going to give you the gospel first before you catch the bus. How about that? You're going to catch the bus. I'll give you the $2. And I'm going to sit here and watch you catch that bus. And if you don't catch it, I'm going to want my $2 back. <laughs> you got to get crazy with these people. But he got on the bus. And, they, and people don't know. They say, well, you know, I've been baptized. So many people tell me that. Oh, I've been baptized. See, they think baptism saves them because they don't know what the word says. They said, I've been baptized. I said, sir, you know baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is after you are saved, not before. Amen. So people just don't know. People think that church membership, baptism, tradition, all these things save them. But they don't read the word, so they don't know. So we can't, we can't embarrass them. We can gently and lovingly try to stir them into the right direction. Because we... There was, a one, there was a point in my life that I thought baptism saved you too. Because I didn't read the word. I didn't know what the word said. Whatever the preacher said on Sunday morning, that was it, man. That was a gospel. You didn't even question it. So worry is a thing that can harm us. If it wasn't harmful, God would not tell us not to do it. So if you're here, if you're worrying about something, why don't you take it to prayer? Because when you go to prayer, you have more peace. And you can pray away fear, and you can pray away worry. If you look at the world situation, the world circumstances, pandemic and everything else is going on, if you allow yourself, yes, you can worry about those things. But when you begin to worry, you go to prayer and ask God to remove that worry for you. I used to worry about the church all the time when I first went into the ministry. Man, man, I say, you know, some Sunday mornings I had a pretty good crowd. 
And boy, I was all encouraged. And the next Sunday, I only got 10. Now I'm discouraged. So I was up and down, up and down. I had a good crowd. I was happy. I had a small crowd. I was unhappy. Holy Spirit said, stop that, man. You minister to whoever shows up. Be it few or be it many. Don't matter. As long as you do what God tells you to do, it don't matter how many people are here. Because God is not into numbers. You just be faithful to what he has. No pastor I know ever thought that they would have these big churches. You can Chuck Smith, one of them. Chuck Smith never thought his church would grow the way it did. But it did. But he couldn't see that ahead of time. He started with 25 people in his living room. And boom, it exploded. But he was faithful in the little things. You're faithful in the little things, God will give you more. If you use, use what you got now, God will give you more in his own time. And I know we are impatient because I'm impatient too sometimes. That's why they're making faster internet and they're making faster cell phones and because people are impatient, people don't want to wait. People don't want to wait God's time. They want to step out ahead of God and mess everything up. Then God's got to come along and straighten it out. Boy, you better wait God's timing, man. Because <laughs> if you go out and step out like Hagar and, and Sarah, you know, you can mess things up. I, I, I believe God does everything in his own time. Not on my time schedule, but on, but on his time schedule. But waiting on God's time is not wasted time. God is building you and shaping you and molding you for something down the road that he's going to use you. So hang in there. Be patient. Some people just pass you doing 90 miles an hour sometime. I'm thinking, well, he's impatient. <laughs> Don't worry, my friends. God's got this. I know it seems like it's crazy, but God is working something. I'm still praying for the greatest revival the world has ever seen. And maybe as times get worse and worse, it might cause more people to turn to Christ. I don't know. Jesus could stop this whole thing if he wanted to with a snap of a finger, but he's not. Why? Because he knows how many people are going to come into the kingdom. It's going to be a lot, a lot of people. So with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your many blessings. We ask, God, that you would not to worry, but cast your cares upon, upon you. We know, Lord, that worry will accomplish nothing but stress us out. Maybe give us ulcers, make us sick. But we pray, God, that we can trust you through the good times and the bad. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you guys leave, we have a couple of missionaries here today. Pastor Joe, I wanted to come up and introduce them.